Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey guys, I'm Andy Baldacci, and thanks for joining me for episode number 15 of the Agency Advantage Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be talking with none other than Andy Crestadina. Today, Andy is known as an expert in content marketing, and you can hear him speak at dozens of events every year or on his agency's blog, Orbit Media Studios. He and his partner, Barrett, started the agency back in 2001, and through content marketing and a strong referral base, the Chicago web design agency has grown to a $5 million a year business with a team of 35. Andy's all about actionable insights and little fluff. So this episode clocks in at under 30 minutes, but it's packed full of great insight to help you build an audience and grow your agency. So without further ado, here's Andy. So hey, Andy, thanks for joining me today. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so you and Barrett relaunched Orbit Media Studios as a client service company back in 2001. But while today you're most personally kind of known for your content marketing and talking about that, you didn't really get serious about that until 2007. How did that kind of change the shape of the growth of Orbit Media and where did it take you from and kind of where are you guys today? Sure. Well, this is relevant to a lot of people who kind of say, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that kind of marketing because I get my business from referrals. Do you ever meet people like that? Mm-hmm. People say that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, the idea is that, of course, you're going to get some business from referrals, and that kind of kept us going at a, at a low level for a while. But if you want to grow and add to that and, and increase the, uh, the top line, then you, know, you need to help the people who are already looking for you uh, find you. So I knew I had two purposes for content. One was to keep in touch with people um, during the long sales cycle. It takes a month or two to find to decide who to hire in, in web design, and and also during that super long buying interval because people only buy a website like every three or four or five years. So how do you how do you stay top of mind with someone during you know in in that situation? The answer was content. So I published articles, my best advice on the blog, and I. Uh, invited people to be part of the newsletter, and I put prospects and friends and past clients on the newsletter, and and uh, that at least helped us keep in touch with people without having to somehow personally reach out to thousands of people right. <laughs> over and over. Yeah. Right. The second trick is to increase the top line by helping people who are really already looking for you uh, actually find you. So uh, the theory goes, the theory behind content marketing is sounds something like this: there are tons of people who are looking for you right now like literally like they're trying to find you now like whatever business you're in and the only way to really uh to be found by those people is to have a high enough profile with a much larger audience of thousands of people who are just interested in the general topics so if you want to rank for chicago web design and chicago e-commerce this is what we do uh it's almost impossible to rank number one for that phrase without producing lots and lots of other helpful, useful content on all these other web design, web marketing, digital content marketing related topics. In other words, if you want to be number one in your industry for the money phrase, the the buyer related key phrases, you need to publish what amounts to the mini version of Wikipedia for your industry. That that's the idea. Okay, no, that's interesting. I like the way you phrase that because you're right. Actually, the last guest I had on the show, Jake Jergovin, he runs a kind of an 
outbound direct mail sort of agency to help agencies find more clients. And he has the same thing where he said a lot of agencies who focus just on word of mouth, just the referrals, they can get up to that. If they do well with that, they can get up to a point where they maybe have a team of around 10 and are doing a million or so a year in sales. But growing beyond that, you often need to diversify. And I know content has clearly done pretty well for you guys. And so you, when you first started getting serious about it, you guys had under 20 employees at Orbit Media. And so what are, how big are you now? We are edging up toward 5 million in revenue with uh, something like 35 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. If I'm an agency owner and we're at that about 5 to 10 full-time staff, we're maybe doing half a million to a million in sales, and we look at what you're doing and look at kind of your schedule of dozens and dozens of speaking events of you host your own conference, you host events at your office. It seems like content to you isn't just writing a blog, even though that's like a big part of it. But that could be intimidating to a lot of agency owners. Like, do they need to kind of jump in and do all of this or where should they get started? Yeah, I think that it's it's intimidating. Absolutely. Because when you look at people who are like, I look at people who just like build massive audiences and who have, you know, giant lists and huge events, you know, uh, if I, if I thought that I had to do that off the bat, like I would just be totally discouraged immediately. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, someone once said, I should find out who said this, never compare your beginning to someone else's middle. There's, you don't have to do, uh, any of those things to meet that first goal. You know, I met the first goal of keeping in touch with people during the sales cycle and during the buying interval by publishing uh, once a month. In the beginning, I just published once a month. Uh, what happened to me later was uh, I hired a CEO because I'm not a great CEO. I'm not a great manager of people. We have a pro, like a professional doing that. Uh, it's a huge leap of faith, a big risk, hard to do, very expensive. But uh, what he did was he gave me the time to like an extra 20 hours a week. I became a little bit more like a thought leader. I started publishing a lot more content, wrote a book, uh, started creating events, and uh, just it it started growing a bit from there. But we still just publish once every two weeks. The newsletter is only every other week. Those events are every other mo- are uh, are monthly, which are very easy to put on. It's just we a conference room and wine and web. We buy a case of wine and order pizzas, and people come in. We've done it for uh, this is the sixth year now. You just start small. It's all it's all small, but the the benefit of content marketing unlike direct mail or most types of advertising is that it's a it's a durable advantage it doesn't go away when you stop doing it you know the the social media followers uh the the links that pass seo value uh the newsletter subscribers those are things that you kind of keep so and all the content on your site that you as you gradually build up that lifetime body of work it it's all, it, it stays there so uh you end up with uh some durable uh it, competitive advantages no, and that's a good point because especially when you're if you're not kind of writing about the the fad of the week or anything, you're you're writing true evergreen content. You're right; it doesn't go away. Like Wikipedia doesn't; it gets some updates, but it doesn't just immediately go out of date. It's valuable for a while. That's a really important point. Uh, there are different strategies, and there are people who get great results by being kind of a news source. But I never publish news. Everything is is uh, trying to be a utility, a resource, like a uh, helpful stuff. Yeah. And so I guess, again, so if someone's looking on the out, on the outside, they're like, all right, so I, I, I get it. I can start writing a few blogs, start going from there, build up a newsletter. But they're thinking, how is this possibly going to get results for me? Don't I need hundreds of thousands of views, a list with tens of thousands of people just to make this work? Like how sort of how many visitors are you guys getting a month? How many leads is that generating? What do the actual kind of numbers look mm-hmm. like from that side? Of sure. Things? I love analytics. And so this is where it gets interesting. 
some of these numbers will sound strange, possibly, but uh, generally speaking, so we design websites, and I can tell people very confidently that a good website converts one percent of visitors at least. Three uh, percent of visitors is a very is a great conversion rate. There's benchmarks for newsletter open rates and click through rates of like ten and ten percent and fifteen percent and so forth. The but the bottom line goal, like you said, is to generate enough leads that you can fill your sales funnel to the to the point where you have enough projects closing on a regular basis uh, to stay busy. Um, and we stay busy even in, we, even though we totally lack retainers. We're just a project-based business, right? Everything's a website, so it just has a life cycle, and we have to design, you know, do 50 a year, and we're constantly doing sales for projects all the time. So uh, the numbers look like this. Our site now ranks uh, first in Google for all of our most important but geographically specific phrases like Chicago, web design, mobile web design, e-commerce, WordPress, and so forth. The domain authority that makes that possible is in the 60s. It's like 62, which is high. That's a Moz metric. It's a proxy for link popularity in Google. It's like 800 pages, though, on the website. Uh, About 700 of them are blog posts and articles that we've written over the last eight years. The uh, Those pages together, something like 80% of the visitors to the website touch a blog post at one time during their visit. So most of the visitors are not there for Chicago web design. They're just researching these topics on their own. Uh, total visits, knowing that most of those are not targeted visitors, but they're just content marketing visitors, is around uh, between 50 and 55,000 visitors per month, which is high, which pushes down the conversion rate to like only a quarter of 1% of visitors actually ask us to help build a website. But that's still enough to generate something like five leads or sometimes 10 leads per day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Right. Because a lot of content marketing comes from kind of the more consumer side of things where they think, all right, I need to reach millions of people to have an impact. But when you're an agency and a project means thousands or tens of thousands or even $100,000, you don't need to have kind of this huge, huge audience to get real results. Right. I mean, if you can generate one really qualified lead per day and you know, you're know you halfway decent at sales and your projects are tens of thousands of dollars, you can build a big business on that. I mean, no doubt. No, exactly. So And so I guess for me, this, this sort of begs a question, like you guys are a web design agency, but you're most known for content marketing. How do those kind of things fit together? Why did you decide to go in that direction? Well, it was an opportunity because it's, uh, I, I have a CEO and I had the time and I, and I, we had the topics and the data and the, and the, the bandwidth to publish useful stuff. Uh, we knew that it would create uh, some level of dominance in search because we would have enough authority to, to uh, be able to rank for all the buyer-related keywords we targeted. But it does create some disconnect because there are people who are, uh, I don't know, every day people ask us to hire us you know, for content consulting services or, or, or strategy services. And uh, I mean, if you want to be the number one in your in your category, uh, you know, it's not weird at all to publish on related topics. I mean, a- the Amex Open Network, the Amex Open Forum, has uh, tells you everything about how to you know do your taxes and you know run your accounting. But Amex obviously doesn't do your accounting for you, so it's not that weird. But um, sure, there's lots of conversations where uh, we end up just turning down lots of we generate demand that we don't need they call it they call it sawdust it's a it's a it's a good problem to have but sometimes i still feel like it is a problem i see what you're saying in the sense of like people who are looking for content marketing advice they're obviously have a web presence are looking at optimizing are looking at doing things that you guys can do and it's the they're not 
completely random. It's not like you're blogging about how to run a restaurant better or something. <laughs> right. like, you're, you're blogging about something that is very still relevant. Say I have, yeah, I'm in, say, Austin, Texas. I have a web design agency. How should I approach thinking about topics to write about? Oh, well, uh, I've written a lot about this. Uh, if you search for what to blog about, or I could share a link with you to put in the show notes if you want, but there's there's amazing sources that you can use by researching competitors to see what they rank for, uh, by uh, looking at uh, social tools to see what people are sharing a lot. Uh, you can look at your analytics to see what people are most interested in that you've already published. Uh, you can look at the, the site search report in your analytics to see what people are searching for on your website. I'll give you an example. I have a, I have a client that does travel, and uh, we looked at the site search report. What are people using on their own little search box? And a lot of people were looking for a packing list, and they did not have a packing list. So time to publish a packing list. And that gets to the final and most valuable place to look for topics, which is just by listening. So when people, you know, if, if someone asks you a question more than once or especially three or four times, it's time to publish that answer. So whatever people consistently ask you, um, you know, what, what color should I make my buttons? Okay, can we publish a great piece of content on that topic? Absolutely. Now, when you publish that, it, there, there's thousands of people who are searching for button color, design tips, whatever phrase they're looking for. If you could end up ranking for that, you just, you just won a durable source of traffic by making a great page relevant to a topic and ranked for a phrase. Uh, now, when people come to the site, they find that if it had, does happen to be someone in Austin they're going to, and they see that post, they're going to say, wow, this guy really understands how to build websites that will convert. They know more than these other companies. Uh, there's people who become leads that are just like ready to hire you immediately. Oh, right. Exactly. You're, you're almost, you're establishing yourself as a bit of an authority so that it's almost pre-selling you. When they come to you, you don't need to kind of do the whole song and dance to get them on board because they've been reading your stuff for a while. They trust yep. you. Yep. When you have all these pieces of content, if you're looking at what competitors are doing, if you're looking at what's popular, what's being shared, how do you kind of avoid creating content that's just sort of the the me too pieces of content that, that have been written about dozens of times? I guess the question is, how can you be sure your content will actually stand out from the crowd? Mm-hmm. Well, there's places you can stand out like in a on a search results page and you can do keyword research to see if you have a chance of ranking for it. And even if it's not the the first time that's ever been published or if it's not like a super original topic, you might be able to make a better page than everyone else and still, you know, create the 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 number one uh article on the internet for that for that topic whatever it is. But generally, I think an even better answer to that question is to uh if you want to publish something that is totally original and unique to you and your industry, then you have to do research. Now, this is a difficult and long road, but people who go down this get huge rewards. The theory works like this. Every industry has a missing stat, like a statistic that hasn't, that, uh, hasn't been published yet. And so if you look at your industry and ask yourself, like, what, what, uh, what, is, what is a statement that is frequently asserted but rarely supported? And in our industry, like looking at marketing, it's like, wow, everyone says blogging takes time. How long does it take to write a blog post on average? That's a great question. No one had ever published it. So we did a survey of a thousand bloggers and found out the answer is two and a half hours. That article that published, it was like a survey of a thousand bloggers. It had tons of data in it. It was linked to from hundreds of publications. We, if you want to answer, Wikipedia links to this page. If you want to answer, if you are the company that first published that soundbite, that statistic that is unique on the internet to you, 
right? You own it. If you, if someone talks about blogging takes time, you know, they end up, they link back to us. Why wouldn't they? We are the, the site that first answered that question, that supported that assertion, that found the missing stat. Uh, there are still plenty of ways to be totally original and win for the topic. The search and social and email benefits are huge. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of, I feel like those two tactics, those two sides of the coin go hand in hand. Is One, you do want to have a base of articles that people are actively searching for that will get you found, will get the traffic going. But to really stand out, you also kind of want to have some from the other side that maybe people aren't, don't necessarily need, uh, know that they need to know about. But once you put it out there, everyone's like, oh, wow, like, I'm glad we finally have this. So it seems like they, they, both strategies go hand in hand a bit. Yeah. And, and different content will get traction in different channels. So research will get, will give you a big, uh, SEO benefit because you get the, you know, it's powerful for link popularity. Uh, strong opinion will give you a social media benefit because, uh, those are the things that are more likely shared. It's contrarian view. You know, what do you, here's a question to ask. Here's some general questions. And these are from that article I can share. Uh, what do you believe that few people would agree with? Or how about this question? What, uh, what is everyone in your industry unwilling to talk about? You know, no, those are great questions. Yeah. <laughs> Publish that. So definitely, you'll win. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, it's finding something that people disagree with or just that don't want to talk about. Those are, those are awesome ideas because they generate discussion just inherently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's lots of people who say that they want to be thought leaders. And if you ask them what they're thinking about, they can't name anything. <laughs> right. Uh, it's kind of hard to be a thought leader without a thought. That's right. Yeah. What do you stand for? Tell me. What flag are you waving? Uh, Give me one example. And they say, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I kind of, you know, like, no, no one follow. No one's going to follow your thought in, in, if that's if you're not even sure. Like, no, you should really have strong beliefs on something, I hope, on something. Right. And that's the thing is that especially if, if you've been delivering client work for a while, you, you've been you've been working in your especially you understand it. You should have opinions. And, and sometimes it is necessary especially if you want to be a thought leader you do need to kind of plant that stake in the ground and say like all right this is these are my opinions and kind of get them out there Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i'm going to stop andy there so we can take a quick break for a word from our sponsor but when we come back he'll explain exactly how he turns this audience into leads for his agency the Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, now let's get back to Andy. And so one thing to kind of shift gears a little bit, I feel like those are obviously great ideas. I'm going to link to the article once I get it from you and all that, but I feel like there's almost 10 or 100 times as much material out there on using content to build the audience as there is about how to turn that audience into leads. And so can you talk just a little bit about kind of that side of the equation and how agencies can reliably turn their traffic into leads? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's two ways to think about this. 
but first of all, we have to f- first understand that there's two numbers that matter in marketing. And the first number is the total number of visitors. The second number is the percentage of visitors who act. So traffic times the conversion rate equals success. So uh, we've talked about traffic and social and search and you know people that are really good at SEO uh, can drive large amounts of traffic. But it's people who are at a CRO, conversion rate optimization, that are experts at getting those visitors to take action. So uh, first of all, not all sources of traffic are equal. And people who come from social media might be likely to subscribe, convert into a subscriber, uh, but they're unlikely to become a lead, especially in B2B. Uh, people who come from search are more likely to become a lead because they have intent. They had their fingers on keyboards and they... They were searching, literally looking for something, but they're very unlikely to become uh, newsletter subscribers. They're less likely. So uh, we have to understand that the different sources of traffic will drive visitors who are more or less likely to take certain actions. That said, the, the game for conversion rate optimization isn't about a robot named Google. It's about a human. It's about a psychology. It's about brains, and it's about cognitive bias. It's about using color to drive attention to certain visual elements. It's about ask, answering top questions. So those visitors are confident, you know, that that the the company understands them. Uh, It's about using proof and trust and evidence, such as testimonials or years in business or as seen in press mentions. Uh, It's about being human and uh, having pictures of people and faces and telling your story and your values, like we said, thought leadership or what you believe in, you know, being a person, being personable. So it's infinitely more subtle, all the little things that go into getting a visitor to take action. And it's another game of inches where you just have to have all kinds of tiny things that each of which add up to increase the conversion rate ever so slightly. Uh, But it's not unless, it's a great point, because it's not unless you actually get that conversion rate that you get any results. Right. For Orbit Media Studios, what is the typical, I'm sure you have a few different opt-in points. So what are the, the typical action you're trying to get um, blog readers to take? Mm-hmm. Well, a blog reader would be someone who just comes to the site for one single purpose. They, they have a, they're, they're trying to solve their own problem usually or answer a question and they search for a phrase like uh, website footer design or blog image best practices or how to set up Google Analytics. And they find us and search for these things and they scroll down these tall pages with a, a thousand or three thousand words that answer everything on the topic you could think of. And as they scroll down, there's a little sign-up box next to them. And if it's successful, the website will convert that visitor into a newsletter subscriber. Um, another nice thing would be if they shared the article. But there really isn't anything else that I hope for from them normally. They, uh, we wrote a book. They could buy that. If they happen to be local, they might sign up for an event. So that's the, that's the larger audience of people who are just everywhere in the world reading content marketing, content articles, stuff like that. The other group is the visitor who... Uh, just searched for the buyer-related phrase, Chicago web design. Those visitors are, um, the most common path for those visitors are from the homepage to the portfolio. And then they start to look at evidence and see, you know, is anything here an example of what I'd like to have on my site or, you know, do these look good or not look good? And what do I, um, you know, can this company help me or not? That visitor is very unlikely to uh, subscribe to the newsletter or really even spend almost any time in the blog um, you know, the, what they need is uh, we need to guide their attention toward the most relevant samples for them, give them evidence and testimonials of our legitimacy, and uh, make it very easy, reduce friction, make it very easy for them to fill out that contact form and start the conversation. 
I see. Okay. And no, I mean, so that's a good point. I, I hadn't really thought about the kind of different segments of those looking at the buyer keywords and lo- those looking at the more content marketing side of things. But it's a, it's a really good point because they do need very different kind of actions to kind of help get what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, there's almost no overlap. Visit, right. They're not even in Chicago. So, no. <laughs> true. Right. Yeah. No, and so I kind of, I really like hearing about someone who, who's, built the agency up to the point that you guys have, you're still growing. Um, and I think it's, it's a quirky question, but like, what do you think personally that you don't spend enough time on in your agency? Oh, well, what I wish we did a better job of is it's not a, really a service we offer, but uh, we build websites and the sites are live and the clients do great marketing with their site afterwards that they don't. And so I feel a little bit, I feel like we're missing an opportunity to stay more involved with clients post-launch uh, I'd like to, uh, I wish I had just a uh, scheduled time to work with every single client to go through their analytics and look for the little changes that might make a big difference. Uh, I wish we had an analytics service offering where we uh, could prove ROI and then publish that data or m- give the evidence. You know, the average orbit website increases the conversion rate by 300%. Like there, there is some number. I just don't have it right. yet. I want to, I want to actually. That's, that's your missing stat. It's my, <laughs> you're exactly right. It's sad <laughs> to me. This is the missing. We just nailed it. That's, that's the, um, but it's not what we're hired to do. We never, we, we didn't, we right. didn't propose it. It's not like it's like it was expected, but it's a miss, it's a missed opportunity, at least so far. Yeah. And so on the other side of the coin, what do you think you spend? It doesn't need to be a service, but what do you think you spend too much time on in, in your day to day life? Email. Okay. And that's, I think it's a common one for, for pretty much everybody, especially someone who's doing a lot of sales, who's making a lot of the conversations that, that you are. So I can understand that. Yeah. I had, I was at inbox zero at 9am and then I had a 90 minute meeting. And when I got out, I had 45 messages. <laughs> it's like an it's like an unending cycle sometimes. It's so unfair. Anyone can write to anybody and it just sits there. It's like anyone can add it add to the to-do list for anyone else in the world. It's really just it's a it's such it's a, almost cruel. Yeah, it's I mean it's insensitive to just, you know, send email expecting a response to <laughs> I don't know how to fix it, but it's a big problem. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, that's how I got in touch with you. So hopefully I wasn't too insensitive about it. But <laughs> no, the, the, you were super easy to set this up with. There's some people who, you know, you'll spend, you know, eight messages going back and forth to find a time or, you know, giving some vague direction or it's unclear what's needed. And you got to really, they send super long messages. You got to dig through. But no, you, this, this is, um, this has been a great conversation so far. And, uh, and, and, uh, I'm really glad we got connected. Oh, no, me too. And it's actually one of the guests I have. On will be on a couple weeks before this episode. One of his big things was how to write emails that get read. And so hopefully a lot of the listeners, if they do try to contact you, just people in general will learn like, hey, people are busy. This is how you write a good email that won't annoy them too mm-hmm. much. Yeah, yeah, be sensitive. <laughs> if people are curious to hear more about content marketing, about how they could improve their agency, I know you mentioned an article. I'll get that in the show notes. But where else do you think they should go to, to kind of find out more about um, what you have to teach on content marketing? Uh Almost all my best advice is at orbitmedia.com slash blog. Just Orbit Media, uh, the newsletter there. It's only every other week, so it's not like um, you know, the frequency is like going to bomb your inbox too bad. Uh, there's um, events, of course. If you're, in, if you're local to Chicago, we have a monthly event called Wine and Web. We have an annual conference called Content Jam, which is people from all over the country come to that. That's in August. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm just, um, uh, you can connect with me on any of the social networks. Uh, I wrote a book. It's in Amazon. It's called Content Chemistry. Uh, we just work really hard every day to give away everything that we know about uh, search optimization, conversion optimization, and analytics. No, no, I think looking at your schedule and seeing how many speaking events you do and how much you put on and how the results it get is clear that your content you're putting out there really does have an impact. So I appreciate you taking the time to kind of share some of that oh, with us. Thanks. No, of course. All right. So thanks for coming on, Andy. My pleasure, Andy. Thank you. I always like hearing about the different models there are for successful agencies. I mean, think about it. Orbit Media does $5 million a year without any retainers. I can't imagine having to close that much business every single year, all from scratch, but they're clearly making it work. When you see 50-plus speaking engagements on Andy's calendar every year, monthly events at their office, and a bi-weekly blog, not even to mention social media, it can seem super intimidating to get started with content marketing. There's no chance I could do all of that, you say. But Andy said it best when he said, never compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Get started by taking one step and committing to a regular blog schedule. See what works and what doesn't, improve, and grow from there. While trying something new can be a bit scary because you don't want to put in a ton of time for something that doesn't get results, but with content marketing, you're creating a durable asset that doesn't just go away. Get started building your first content assets today, and as you slowly add to them, it won't take long to get to the point where they become a real competitive advantage for your agency. Andy's talk covered a ton of actionable tips to help get you started, but this summer is already going long, and I don't want to piss them off, so if you need a refresher, just check out the show notes. Next week, I'll be back with another big name in the digital marketing space, none other than Jay Bear, who will teach you why it's important to hug your haters. Talk to you then. See ya. See ya.